0: to another hope message from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifeau.org.
1: Well, Melbourne, great to be connecting this morning as well as we connect across all the campuses here at Life. In Auckland, it's pouring with rain. I hope the weather's better in Melbourne. Not often is, but hope that it is, and we're going to pray. Father, we thank you today. We thank you that you're a God of greatness. You're a good, good, good God. You're a great God. You're everlasting. And here in our humanity, we pray as we just address these thoughts about the big questions that you'll help us as humans to expand our spirits so that we can understand through our spirits, not just our minds, the enormity of who you are. We thank you for your grace toward us. We pray for everybody that's at life today that there will just be a moment where, Holy Spirit, you reach deep inside of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, if you weren't in church last week, we began the series we have entitled An Elephant in the Room. And really, it's around this thought that there's always things that we should be asking that sometimes we don't. Uh, I was at Hillsong and uh, I was talking to a pastor and I said, oh, we're in a series called The Elephant in the Room. They said, oh, that's interesting. They were from a large church in the States. And they said, in fact, we have every staff member have a little elephant in their room. And I said, what do you do that for? They said, because there's always something that needs to be addressed. So when you need to address it, you pick up your elephant and go and see someone. And how many know? They know then straight away, we're going we're to deal with something. Uh, I think sometimes we would have better uh, marriages if we addressed the elephant in the room. Come on, we would be better in our lives and we saw last time that uh, or last week that you know God says we need a conviction that we have a right to ask and I would suggest that knowledge is the foundation to understanding so I want to just set a bit of a scene and then we're going to have a number of people come and join us in each campus and we're going to go through a few questions but I love Proverbs chapter 2 verse 1 this is what Solomon writes he says my son my daughter if you receive my words and the treasure of Of my commands within you, so that you incline or lean your ear towards wisdom and that you apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out, in other words, you are looking to develop your discernment and lift up your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and you search for her as hidden treasure then you will understand, note what he says, the fear of the Lord. Wow, what an interesting comment. And find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. And then verse 10, when wisdom enters your heart, knowledge is pleasant to your soul discretion will preserve you, understanding will keep you. You know, as Christians, let's never be people that park. Let's never accept. Some of us have been walking with God a long time, and it's easy to go, well, I know the lowdown. I know what's happening. It's like, Proverbs says, don't you ever stop coming to God, and God, there's more to understand, there's more to learn. So knowledge is the foundation of understanding. I would say that wisdom understands what the right questions are and how they should be asked. And so as we go into today and next week, let's not forget Isaiah 55 verse 18, which says these words, for as the heavens are high or higher than the earth, so God says my ways are higher than your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Uh, I love how it goes on, for as... The heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways? In other words, don't ever trap God into the limitation of your thinking or your experience. Because how high are the heavens? They're beyond measurability. And God is wanting us to realize that we are spiritually created people, and sometimes. We are seeking answers for questions that cannot be answered within the limitation of our humanity. And yet we should inquire and we should lean in for wisdom and we should look in to what God has for us. And you know I was thinking about it this week as I was preparing what makes God God. Think about that. There is so many different aspects of God that the Bible talks about The fact that he is eternal. That would be a great study to do for a few weeks. It's kind of like, he's eternal. What does that mean? Where did he start? He didn't start. He doesn't end. So we start and we end and we try to work out something that doesn't start and doesn't end. Come on, we're trapped in time, but he doesn't work within time. He's eternal. God is eternal. God is holy. Uh Uh-oh. But I thought God was love. Well, God is love. But God is also holy. In other words, that changes everything. So He loves me completely, yes, but He can't violate His holiness. Complex questions. God is just. In other words, He's going to deal with what needs to be dealt with rightly. He cannot be just. He cannot be love. He cannot be holy. He cannot be eternal. God is grace. And I think we're, in our day, in dispensation of time, we're understanding, trying to grapple with the thought that God doesn't give grace, He is grace. He is love, I love that, but He was also just. He, He's holy, He is God. And so I found myself going to Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord, note this, is the beginning of knowledge. In other words, if I don't get my heart around who God is, then I will be looking for the wrong kind of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That word fear has this original understanding, the awe and the terror of God. Well, we don't think about that today. It's like when you really discover God, He is so big, you're in awe of Him, but you also realize that He doesn't change. Not only awe and terror, but there's respect and reverence. Like, God's my, not my fix-up go-to person. He's God. He's awesome. He's eternal. Come on. And yet, fools despise wisdom and instruction. Goes on, verse 31 of Hebrews 10. It is, the, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. And I just want to establish before we go to the panels that here at Life, uh, if you're visiting or you're feeling new or you just need to be reminded, we believe here at Life that the Bible is entirely true. In a day where tides are coming in and out and taking sand away, we believe the sand still exists. Come on, it is the inspired word of God for humanity. And we cannot afford to allow circumstantial evidence to stand before the truth of God's word. And so we need to consider some uh, genuine questions. And yet, as I said, some of the questions are beyond our control. So, can I just say today that God is God and God is good? He's a good, good God. Come on, I need some response. Thank you, Melbourne. God is good and God is God. You know, he, he is who He is. Uh, again, reflecting Job. If you know the life of Job, you wouldn't want to go through that. Some of us have, but you wouldn't want to. So he spends three chapters going, God, Why? Why? Fair question. But I want you just to hear what God says to him in verse 3 of Job 38. In fact, in verse uh, verse 1 of Job 38, And the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind, and he said to Job, verse 2, Who is this, this is God speaking, who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? And then verse 3, Job, prepare yourself like a man. I'm going to question you, and you are going to answer me. Hey, Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. So I just want to lay a foundation. I think we need to be inquirers. I think we need to gain understanding. I think we need to pursue wisdom. But can I say God is God, and so therefore never limit God to the boundaries of your own mind couple of questions that have come in that I thought I, I would just touch on before we go to the panels. But one of them is, well, what is sin really? And uh, why would God send people to hell? In an age where we have an underscoring of a God of grace and a God of love. By the way, the, the word sin, if you understand it, comes from a Greek word, which is ha-ma-tano. Uh, and, and what it means is, To miss the mark. It it has the picture of we've been created human. And so who God is, we are human and we miss the mark. We we fall short. In fact, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned. We're born into sin and all humans have sinned and they fall short of the glory of God. However, we can be justified freely by His grace. And therefore, we find redemption, which is the buying back. That is in Christ Jesus. And let me just quickly say, God doesn't send people to hell. Yeah, but if God is a God of love, why would he make hell for people? He didn't make hell for people. He created hell for the enemy. Saying that you chose when you knew it all. And you chose to sin against me and I'm holy and I cannot live with Sin and therefore your choice has been made, and so there is coming a time where you will be removed and you will be cast into Hades. Yeah, but how could God allow then people to end up in a lost eternity? Well, again, Romans six twenty, for when you were slaves of sin, you were then free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have? In the things of which you are now ashamed. For the end of these things is death. But now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have the fruit of holiness and the end, everlasting life. However, the wages of sin is death. So, because we do not surrender our sin at Calvary, We live with sin and there is coming a time, I don't care who's saying what or who's writing what, where sin must come into account. And we cannot be containers and carriers of sin and expect to be free from that day. Because God has given you and I today the ability to ensure that we live at the foot of Calvary, that our sin is forgiven so God doesn't send us to hell. We choose. Once we understand that he is righteous, once we live in sin, to receive God. Come on, where there are mixed messages today, I tell you what, we need to understand that God is holy. And maybe we think, because everybody, well not everybody, but many people are saying, you know what, you don't need to worry about hell. I go, hell is a reality, the Bible says it's so. And if we lose that boundary peg, we're in deep trouble. Here's another big question. Well, if God knows everything from the beginning, He then knew that we would sin. So, what's the point? And again, that's a big question. And of course, that's a big question from where we stand today. Because we live in a time, in a season where sin is prevalent and we are so prone to compromise. But can I say that God lives in eternity? And God longed to create people that weren't robots, but people that would choose to love and choose in their free will to be a part of who He is. And He obviously thought it was worth the risk to create us in His image so that we would have the ability to choose and not be robotic. And of course, that's a big question, but... I I wrote this down and I believe this, that depth of intimacy comes with a price tag of choice. You think about that the same, well, we got married, it should work. No, no, no. You want intimacy in marriage? You have to make choices. God wants us to make a choice to serve him because we love him. And again, God is God and God is not uh, bound by time or fate. Uh, C.S. Lewis, and I love... His writing in a in an article called "Mere Christianity," he said this: that God created things which had free will. That means that creatures could choose either wrong or right. It's a thing. Uh, if a thing is to be free to be good and also free to be bad, then free will means that evil was made possible. Why then did God give them free will? Because free will. Though it makes evil possible is also the only thing that makes possible any love, goodness and joy that's worth having. See, if we lived in a world that was automatic, creatures that were like machines, that would hardly be worth creating. But the happiness which God designs for his higher creatures is the happiness of being freely, voluntarily united to him and to each other In the wonder of love and delight compared with that which is most rapturous love between a man and a woman on earth would be only milk and water to what that would look like. And that they must be free. Yeah, God knew what would happen if they used their freedom for wrong. Apparently, he thought it was worth the risk. You know, God gives us the freedom to choose. And God is love, and God wants us to experience the fullness of an intimate relationship that is by choice. So God knew, but God only knew because he had foreknowledge. He didn't make your choice for you. Well, if God is good, Paul, then why is there so much suffering in the world? Big question. Let me put a simple context. Do you know that we're living outside the garden? God said, Adam and Eve, you choose to violate what I've asked you not to touch. You will surely die. Jesus had entered our world, but we live outside the garden. We're in a valley. We're in a time where there is an enemy who's at work. And again, we fail to understand the dispensation of time that we're in. Some Christians and some of our theology teachers that because we're born again, no bad stuff happens, whereas I say we're outside the garden. Come on, there is an enemy. I remember early on in my ministry life, and I'm going to ask the other teams, in fact, every team in every campus to come and join me on stage, but I... Uh, I I remember being posed this question early on in ministry. If God is good, then why would 40,000 people die? Or 40,000 children die every day of starvation? Some of you have heard me use that illustration. I go, well, I couldn't answer that until I researched it and realized that the earth produces seven times enough food for every human being. So it wasn't God not being good. Come on, but it's a world that has an enemy that uses humans. And uses things that are not good in their response. Uh, We're not in a war culture down here in Australasia. But if you go into the church in America and you find those that are in war, it's normal to come home injured. It's normal to have family members that have been taken out because that's war. Don't forget, there is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And you might say, well, well, then what's the point of praying? We pray because we bring God into our valley. God doesn't see death like we see death. God sees death as a victory. Because at that point, the fullness of Calvary is restored to every human being. And so I just want to encourage you today. Come on, God wants us to cast our care upon him, knowing that sufferings are a part of who we are. Uh, take some time maybe to study it a, a little more. But the Bible describes that God is sovereign and we're in a day where Satan is the God of this age. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 4. He is the ruler, the Bible calls him, of this world. John 12, 31. He's the ruler of the kingdom of air. That's why sometimes, come on, our prayer needs to be more persistent because it's stopped in the heavenly realm. And I just want to encourage you today that God is a God that has promised he'll meet us in our valley. And even though there is pain and there are questions that are not answered in this time frame, he will work everything together for good. So I want to encourage you. Don't just be somebody that sits here and says, well, more information. Go and dig it out. Go to the word and begin to understand that there is a day coming where there are no more tears. So that means there are tears now. There are no more sickness, but that means there is sickness sometimes for us to push through. So we're going to go to each of the campuses. Come on, the campus leaders, just uh, take this for the next session, and we're going to look at a few more questions. Can we give God a hand? Amen. Amen. Is that
2: good? Good start, hey? Good opening up the whole discussion, and uh, it's great to have uh, these amazing people with us, and um, you know, I was just thinking, even from the outset, you may be here and... Like all of us, like all of us have been here. And you might be in a position where hearing what Pastor Paul's talked about, you've gone, you know what, I'd have to identify that I'm, you know, I've fallen short. I'm, I'm actually not connected to God like you're talking about. You've got a God who's done all of that for me. And I, I don't yet know that personally. The great news is, come on, it, it's not excluded It's to a certain few. It's definitely not exclusive to a certain group. It's available to everyone. And at the end of our service, I'm going to give a moment for everybody and anybody to respond and just say, hey, I'd love to know. Come on, the wonder of a God that saves, the reality of a grace that meets me and, uh, and wipes away the past. Come on, it gives you a brand new future. And so that might be your question already going, how do I know this? How do I meet with this? I tell you what, just an honest heart's response. Come on, and you can have uh, the reality of God and the picture of your world journeying with you from this moment forward, which is cool. But it is going to be cool to answer a few questions, and it's, uh, it's great to have uh, these guys up here. But I wanted to sort of ask... Um, you know, and start, start with this, and maybe just a bit of context, over the next um, two weeks, so this week we're sort of focusing, having received all the questions from last week, and you can still put in more questions for next week, but we're sort of focusing on the, the why God element of this week, and then next week we're looking at uh, sex and sexuality, and some of the, the questions around that area as well, which is going to be cool, so everyone's all like, be here next week, so. But I thought I'd ask Paul. We all love Paul. Paul's an amazing, amazing guy. But Paul, I want to say, the Bible says that if we ask God in accordance to his will, he will answer us. So why doesn't God come through at certain times when we do pray?
3: Yeah, I think everyone's experienced that, Craig. I think we have all prayed something and it hasn't been answered and we've all experienced something. But one thing I do know, God's will, our will, God's will is that no man shall ever perish. And right. God's will is in a marriage that we, have, we live in a peaceful and loving and, and a Kind environment. Yeah. Um, but there's wheels involved in that. There's I've got my own will, so I choose and pick and choose what I want to do. Yeah. In a marriage, there's two wheels. It makes it even a little bit harder. But who's to ever say, or who's to ever say we give up on that? Right. That we pray for something and it didn't happen and we give up on it. Right. We just can't give up on it. You know, we, story of, um, just a quick story of my son. He was going through something, um, he had... Something in his leg, and doctors said it was cancerous, and everything. And we prayed for it, and really believed for it to be healed. But the outcome—if you had looked at him—the the next month of it, he was losing weight. He was—he wasn't looking really good. But you don't give up. Yeah. Right. You just don't give up. You just keep going on it, and yeah. you—and you don't park your faith on did it get answered or didn't it get answered. And I look at that, Craig, very right. I don't park my faith on that. Right. So but is there his will? Yeah, praying his will. But I think. What I really believe, there's a better good. God sees a better good. I look at the story of Joseph, not my son Joseph, but Joseph in the Bible.
4: Yeah.
3: Where does he stop ever believing? Yeah. There's, God's got a, a greater so good, good, a bigger purpose, yeah. and all the things that he went through, yeah. God could have intervened at any time, but there was a bigger and better purpose right at the end of it.
2: Yeah, mm. yeah. That's so good. And I think about that. Eh? You've got to think Joseph. Mm. You know, uh, put in a pet <laughs> to die then sold into slavery, then unjustly did, uh, accused of something that he didn't do, yeah. then thrown back into prison for years. So we're talking decades and decades of abandonment,
3: yeah.
2: yet we see him become the solution to Israel yeah. and, uh, and a whole nation. Like imagine if he just gave up on God. you put me in the prison and I don't believe in you anymore. Like, like sometimes we can be like that. Come on, it doesn't happen in our time frame. And we get frustrated. Like my, my grandma, I think she was widowed three times. You know, that's not fair. And I don't know, maybe this is bad parenting, but I'm teaching my kids. Kids, life's not fair. <laughs> get your head around it. Because the sooner you get your head around it, the less offended you're going to be. And you're going to realize, hey, God's still with me. And like my grandma, I want them to have a testimony. It doesn't matter what happens to me. God is good. And I'm going to believe that. I'm going to stand on that. And then I can continually see his faithfulness. Otherwise, we don't look for God anymore because we shut him out of the picture. And that was never God's intended plan. And I think that's um, really good. But I do, I do agree that willingness... That willingness, we can't force someone, and God's not going to force it to happen. If it requires somebody else's part to play, and they're not willing, God can't force them to do it, because that's not his nature. Otherwise, the bombers would win every single game <laughs> they play. Trust me, Trust me. Zion prays at least four to five times every time. It's very funny. And then he says, Dad, I prayed, and I did not win. What happened? <laughs> We're working on it. We're working on it. But... Um, you know, maybe, no, so this one, and we all know that we have, and I want to stick around this for a little while, but we've all prayed for people, and, they, and, they, and it hasn't come to pass. We've seen people pass away who were faith-filled. They loved God, um, you know, and it, seemed, it just got worse and worse. But did God actually, you know, given that God never intended sickness to be a part of our lives, how do we reconcile a loving, giving God with the ongoing sickness in spite of the faith that we apply to it?
0: Yeah, this is this is a big question, but I think, um, as Pastor Paul says, like we're so confined to this world, our our joy, um, often is in this world. Our loves are in this world. But God actually promises that heaven is His reward for us. Heaven is our promised land. So much so that you know He says there won't even be marriage in heaven because you won't need to be married because you'll have so much more fulfillment. And I. I struggle with that here in this natural world because... Me too, baby. Me too. It's good. Marriage is awesome. And you think, like, I'm not going to be married to you in heaven? That's going to that's gonna suck. But, but heaven is that it's much greater. Know. It's
2: really nice to know. I'm done. I can go home.
0: <laughs> but heaven is so much greater that God says, we're, that's actually not, you're going to be beyond that. And um, I think, you know, we get so confined to um, what brings us joy in this world, but God's got something so much greater. And um, we've, we've walked this through with many people where, you know, we've believed for healing, done everything, you know, humanly possible to see a healing take place and it hasn't happened. Well, you can't get caught up in the why, You know, if you get caught up in the why, why did that not happen? What happens is it affects your faith. Because we've also stood for people, stood for healing, stood for miracles, stood on Scripture, and the healing has totally happened. So I think too often we get caught up in the unknown rather than getting caught up in the known. And what we know is God's scripture that says by His stripes we are healed and that He has healing in store for us. And that's what we've got to stand on, what we do know, not what we don't know. So that's how I reconcile it. I've got a loving God. I know He wants to heal. I know He's got deliverance for us here on this earth. He wants to deliver us from the evil one, the evil one that does come to bring sickness. he wants to deliver us from that evil one. So I stand on his promise. I stand on his scripture. So we've got to stand on what we know, not what we don't know. So I think that's how I reconcile it and leave the why to God. Because we won't understand that till we get to eternity. And that's how I grapple with that. Yeah,
2: it's good. It's really good. I um, I think within that as well is that, you know, some mountains God will cast into the sea. Other mountains we have to climb. You know, and it just it's, it's just that way. And the thing is, in climbing the mountain, who knows, that we get closer to God and we learn in that. And we see God move in our lives. And who knows that uh, the Bible tells us there's going to be trials and tribulation. We're going to face stuff. Yeah. But the Bible actually says that uh, in that, those things that we face, um, that's where there's a bit of a crushing that goes on. The crushing of our own ability and the crushing of our own uh, striving or our own desires and our own perspective. But who knows, it's in the crushing that, come on, there's new wine or there's new oil. And so the very thing the enemy wanted to do, to impact you and take you out, if you just carry on climbing in God, who knows that's actually going to bring something more of him out in who we are rather than do the opposite. Come on, who knows that a lot of the stuff that goes on, that the enemy's going, come on, he's going. He's the one that did it to Job, but Job stayed steadfast in God. And who knows the end of the story. He still wished that never happened at the start, but who knows the end of the story had a lot different outcome coming than chapter three. And we've got to realize that there's many more chapters to come, so do not... <laughs> Climb the mountain if you've got to climb the mountain. God throws it into the ocean. Thank you, Jesus, for that. But we're going to keep on standing. Come on, we're going to keep on believing. I remember,
0: um, just as you say that, I remember really good friends of ours losing their little one. Um, it was a stillborn. And um, I remember him at the funeral saying, you know, I'm caught up in this chapter of my life now. God sees the bigger book, He sees the whole picture, and that's what I've got to trust that I've got a God that sees the whole picture, not just the chapter I'm caught up in now. And that actually leads to freedom in our lives, you know, that leads to hope. And that's what we've got to look at what is the fruit of the decisions we're making? What's the fruit of the choices we're making? Because if you get caught up, With the why, it leads to anxiety, it leads to confusion, it leads to anxiousness, and you know, and that's not good for our lives. We've got to to trust in the God that hopes, because when we do that, there's great fruit in it, so.
2: Yeah, yeah. Someone's written here, they know of a family where they've spent a a couple of decades, you know, really serving God. They're honestly um, laying their lives down for Him, yet they've believed for now, over two decades, for their son to have a miracle, and they haven't yet seen that. Um, you know, uh, I know it's around the same topic that we're talking about, but I think this is really, this is really relevant to all of us. Um, you know, Paul, anything further? Anything from your journey that you've seen? Where you know, you say you've seen stuff in Joey, and but there's other yeah. times things haven't happened. Mate, I can only use myself in that Craig.
3: Um, you spoke about the mountain. You know, there's a mountain that I carry. You many of you wouldn't even know about it, but I'm deaf in one ear, and you might think, oh, you know, that's um, it's nothing. You can still hear him on the other side of the ear. But the mountain is... I know that there's been many a times in here that I've walked up down the aisle and someone's called me. And I don't turn around. So if I've offended any of you, I'm really sorry. <laughs> right? But I don't turn around. I'll tell you why I don't turn around. Because I don't know what direction it comes from. So I'm forever... And I'm not going to stand there and just look to see <laughs> who was calling. But if I recognise the voice and I know where you're standing, I'll turn. And I've had that oh, since I was five. And I've had people pray for me. Prayed for it myself. But still, no no hearing in that ear. Um, Some can say it's a blessing and a curse. I can sleep in a room where there's snorers. I put my good ear on the pillow and I'm asleep. Right? So there are some good things. Sorry,
2: darling, didn't hear you. Sorry, (laughs) Rhys.
3: Sorry, my bad. But there are some mountains as well. I can go out for dinner and it could be so loud and that I'm out of the conversation. If the conversation is happening over there, all I'm listening to is what's happening over here, the loudness. So I'll sit there and I won't even get involved in the conversation because I can't. Can't hear it. And it's a, I can tell you something funny about that, though. Every time we do go out, or there's been many a times that we do go out, I'll, my wife will be sitting on this side, and I'll turn my back to it and speak to this person. And so many people have got this gift of discernment that think there's something wrong between me and Reed. <laughs> Come up to me many a times, and there has been a few here that have said the same thing. <laughs> Not mentioning names. But that's a mountain that I carry. And it is, it is um, it isn't easy... Yeah. But why... I don't know. I've seen healings. I have seen legs grow. I've seen people walk out of wheelchairs. I've seen people see again. I've seen healings many a time. I've prayed for people that have had, women that have had babies. I've prayed for women that have been able to stand up straight. Back's healed. I've seen the healings. But why? I can't, that's one of those questions. But I do know one thing. I don't park my faith there. I mightn't be healed here, but I still believe that God
2: heals Delivers and okay. sets people free. So That's great. I, don't, I, I really believe that. I don't think our faith was ever meant to be founded in an outcome.
1: No.
2: Like, and so often we can get caught up in the outcome. We can get caught up in what's not happening, and our faith can all of a sudden be all about what's not happening or what we think should have happened, rather than realizing that could be the very vehicle God wants to use. It could be the very thing that gives you access to somebody else who's going through the same situation. Going through another hardship, and, and we're supposed to point people Jesus to be a signpost. But uh, I love the thought that we could also be a tour
1: guide.
2: Yeah. Hey, we've been there.
1: Yeah.
2: I know what it's like. Yeah. I've walked through that, and I'm still walking through that right now. Come and journey with me. Come on, let's walk this yeah. together. And we gotta, we gotta. Come on, we gotta stop going. If that, until that happens, I don't know if God is ever real. Yeah. He has done enough for us to believe in Him. He doesn't need to appease us anymore. <laughs> He has done enough. He has done everything possible to connect with us. And who knows, come on, that this life is only a vapor. So if you don't get it all in the vapor, don't worry. Heaven's coming. The good-looking body's still to come, right? The, the fully access, it's, it's going to work real good. Yes. So stop looking like this is your heavenly realm. It's not your heavenly realm. Heaven's still to come. And that's what we've got to keep our perspective on. Now, as I wanted to ask you uh, probably a, a hero, not a hero, that's another word that's written just above here, uh, a heavier question, but... How can you reconcile what seems to be, at times, a violent God of the Old Testament with a loving Jesus of the New Testament?
0: Yeah, I think, um, you know, the Old Testament, um, God chose the Israelites to be his people to reveal who he was to the world. And um, obviously, law was involved in it. The Israelites had to follow the law to receive God's blessing. And often they didn't receive his blessing. They chose Again, because of their decision to, uh, to rebel against God, to choose what they wanted instead of what God said. And there were consequences to that. There were wars that were fought. There were lives that were lost um, because they deliberately chose not to follow him. And uh, I think, you know, so often we can blame God for stuff, but there is a righteousness and a justice when it comes to God as well. Like Pastor Paul was saying, uh, he wants us to choose his ways and there's consequences when we don't choose his ways. Um, And so the, the Israelites... They lived in that. There was um, incredible consequences. And, you know, we we talk about other nations that suffered because of that. But every time in the Old Testament, when other nations came and turned to God, they received his grace and favor as well. You look at Rahab, so many other examples of when someone from another nation said, oh, I want to trust in your God. They also received the blessing. And then obviously the law didn't work. So that's where Jesus sent one our, God sent his one and only son in Jesus that we would be reconciled not because of the law but because of an, an internal change. And, uh, you know, we are human and the law is never going to work with us. We are always going to fall short. And the Old Testament reveals that. That's why God sent Jesus, so that we would be internally changed, so that we could come to him and say, hey, I haven't got this right on my own. I can't do this in my own strength. I can't measure up myself. I need an internal heart transformation. And that's where Jesus comes in. That's where our relationship with him, us crying out to him, us submitting to him, You know, submit to him, resist the devil. Often we just try and resist without submitting first, you know. So the power is in submitting, and that's what Jesus is all about us actually surrendering our lives to him. And when we surrender, that's when we find our strength to actually fully be transformed and reconciled to him and finding true life in him. So, yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's good.
2: I think as well, like, it's good to, like, to take in perspective with the reality of, of God sending his son, Jesus, is that in the Old Testament, it really was an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Judgment took place in the moment. And I think it's important for us to, as Pastor Paul talked about originally, the reverence and the fear of God. We've got to understand that there's still a day coming because there's going to be an accountability to the life that we lived. You know, and though grace is before us and grace and love and all that kind of thing, we, we can't lose sight of the fact that, come on, there's an accountability to the very decisions we make in the life that we're living. Come on. That we can't go, oh, you know, it's just, it's just, it's, everything's happy. It's all good. Everyone just ends up in heaven. Unfortunately, the Bible doesn't teach that. We have to live in a reverence in a way that says, okay, we haven't, we haven't got an angry God that's trying to get us out. He's trying to get us in. He's trying to get us in. But the grace that He's given us, don't take it for advantage. Don't just go after and go, oh, it's, everything's easy. No, no, no. Let's know, come on, that we need to uphold our faith. We need to diligently go after God. We need to surrender our lives to Him and be in a place, come on, that we say, God, yeah, you, you're gonna, you filter my life, but you're not filtering out of a place of looking for faults. You want to get me in. Does that make sense? Come on, let's not get casual about the reality that, hey, there's still a judgment day coming. When Christ returns, come on, there's still going to be a decision point for where we end up. And it's not a fear thing. It's out of a faith place. But have that assurance within you. Uh, and I think, Danny, I, this just leads great because... I mean, many people outside of this room, many people outside the church have these questions, which is, you know, which is good and, and can be cynical and, and harsh within that. And so a great question that's come through, and who knows, you wouldn't be married if you didn't uh, solve this one. Uh, but how do you share Jesus with the friends or family that you have, uh, you know, that don't yet believe in him in a way that's non-judgmental, in a way that sees them connect to God, so then you can marry them, eh? And
4: see them become a part of your world. Well, you just flirt to convert, you learn how to dance and uh, look good. Worked for me. Yeah, worked for you, worked for me. Um, worked for a few of us here, so no, I'm just uh, kidding. Um, but I guess I'll share a bit of an experience that I'm having um, at the moment with, uh, I guess, my father-in-law. Um, great guy, loving to bits, one of the most loving guys, but he's an avid atheist. Um, so along this journey, I'm working out like, like, I really want to see him saved, I want to see him find Jesus, and it's like... How does that happen? And God's taken me on a journey over the past five years, where um, five years ago He was wanted nothing to do with church, didn't want to hear the name Jesus, like to the point of anger, like it, like really just didn't want anything to do with it. To now, like has promoted it um, at a dinner table to all of the family, um, talks this church up like it's just amazing. He's been here a couple times, and um, and along the journey, what God has shown me is that we've got to be people that really. Uh, have truth in our lives, but also stand with love. And what I mean by that is you've got to love people exactly where they're at. Um, you've got to get messy. Um, you can't, you know, think that this is, you know, we can stay at arm's length when we're loving people. You've got to embrace people's dirt um, and embrace them where they're at and really just love them for who they are. Um, see beyond the dirt, see beyond the things that sometimes we want to, you know, put ourselves at arm's length with. And then also when the opportunity comes, we've got to be willing to go, okay, how do I bring Jesus into this conversation? How do I bring the fact that God gave everything on a cross to see this person saved? And I think at any point that you have an opportunity to do that and you see that that's the right time, just go for it. Um, I love Romans chapter 10 verse 13 talks that anyone that calls on the name of the Lord will be saved but then it goes on and says but how will they call on his name if they haven't heard his name and how will they hear his name if we don't preach his name so So there's this reality of we've got to be people who are willing to stand in the gap and say something and at times that can be confrontational especially with the culture that we live in today but we just got to stand there in love and in truth and say hey we've found the way and his name's Jesus brilliant yeah so good so good.
2: Just quickly, we've got a couple more questions, but we're running out of time. Um, now, as I wanted to ask uh, someone's uh, great question. Just said, you know, I only feel God's presence sometimes. How can I feel it more often?
0: I think, um, you know, anything that is rich is, uh, needs to be pursued. And um, God's presence, He needs to be pursued. Um, I think yeah. often, um, you know, sometimes we can almost try and have a relationship with God that's like a genie in the bottle thing. You know, like, hey, God, are you going to, you know, uh, just come at my command and what I want? But God wants us to diligently, the Bible says, pursue him. That it's a relationship, that it's one of intimacy. And I find every time you have that sense of um, almost this distance between you and God, it's actually God wanting to draw you to a deeper place in him to a deeper place of intimacy, to a deeper place of connection, to a deeper place of pursuing Him. Awesome. And so I think it's that struggle of our feelings get in the way sometimes, life circumstance gets in the way, and God just is, he, the Bible says He is near to those who call on Him. So every time we call on Him, He is near, but sometimes it takes diligently calling on Him, and then His presence comes in a far deeper and richer way. And any relationship is like that, you know, it takes work, it takes Mm. um, persistence, it takes investment and our relationship with God, it needs investment as well. So I think that's, yeah, Yeah, that's what I've found in my relationship with God. And it's very normal too. Just know that's very normal. Like you go through dry times and God, we see it in the Bible, people going through time. David, you see it in the Psalms, God, where are you? And then the next minute, he's like, oh, my God, you're, you're right there. You know, you're amazing. And he's celebrating, but there's this tension all the time. So it is a, it's a dynamic. It's a relationship dynamic. So it's very normal as well.
2: Yeah, cool. Because I think we are so heightened with our emotions this these present age. Our feelings are foremost in front of us. But I, th- I think, you know, back in the Old Testament, they didn't have the Holy Spirit in the way that we have the Holy Spirit. We don't have, they didn't have Bibles like we have Bibles. They didn't have church yeah. services like we have church services. Yet yeah, It could be decades that they would go on one word, yeah. one word, yeah. and that yeah. would be, that would see them fulfilled for 40 years. Yeah. One word and I'm in, whatever yeah. it looks like. It wasn't like, oh, he was here this Sunday, next Sunday. I don't know where he is. Like 40 years of just like, God, you're God. God, you spoke. Yeah. That's enough for me. I'm in. Hadn't sent his Savior. Yet there's this commitment that's in it. And I love that. And I think even... If you haven't been water baptized yet, one of the significant things about it is really a line in the sand that says, you know what? As for me, I'm deciding. Yeah. Despite circumstantial feelings that ever come and go, I'm deciding that I'm a follower of Jesus, that he is someone that I believe in and I want to commit my life to. And that's such a powerful, powerful statement. Danny, for you, is there anything that's helped you just grow in that proximity or times where you felt drier than others that you've just felt?
4: Yeah, yeah I think um, something that we kind of underestimate these days is fasting. Um, I cool. think that's something that, like, really helps you, I guess, bring you into a place where you're going, God, I want your presence, and God meets you there, because it, it's a place of desperation, um, it's a place of where you're sacrificing um, the goodness of food, and I'm Italian, so saying <laughs> saying this is like, you know, <laughs> it's a good thing, um, it's a hard thing, sorry, as being as Italian, we love our carbs and stuff, but when you fast, it really draws God's presence in, and yeah, yeah I so, love like fasting, so. That's great. It's really
2: cool. Has this been helpful? You know, I really want to encourage us. um, We've got to bring it to a close. But I really want to encourage us that we need to, um, you know, let's be people that ask the questions. Come on, let's be people that in our connect groups, we bring up conversations and and talk about this sort of stuff. Talk about things that you wonder and go, man, why why is it like that? Why does the Bible say that? And let's not be afraid to ask the questions. Let's not be afraid to search it out. But I encourage us when we do, let's make sure we have that perspective of God. I want to hear what you want to say. Rather than I want you to say something that suits my situation and my circumstance and my feelings. No, no, I surrender all of that and I say, well, God, what do you want to say? What do you want to teach me? What do you want to show me? What do you want to align in me? Not what do you need to do to align to me? What do I need to do to align to you? Yes. Come on, that I can know the fullness and the, and the wonder of who you are. And, and I, I love this. I'll finish with this, this quote. Um, and maybe another thought when you're asking questions, ask the right people. Yes. Don't ask the cynic at work. <laughs> They're not going to lead you to God. Don't ask the critic on Google. They're not going to get you closer to his presence. Ask a leader. Ask somebody that's journeying and wants to journey with you, which is, which is cool. I hope that's all right. That is all right. I uh, don't have to hope that one. That's, that's, good. that's good material right there. C.S. Lewis, um, he wrote this. This cool quote just to finish on. He says, Can a mortal ask questions which God finds unanswerable? Quite easily, I should think. All nonsense questions are unanswerable. How many hours are there in a mile? Is yellow square or is it round? Probably half the questions we ask, half our great theological, and there's another big word that I can't say, problems are just like this. See, this book that C.S. Lewis was writing about was after the death of his wife, from cancer so he was asking some big questions of god and his conclusion is that in heaven the problems will be solved and that it will be much simpler when viewed from god's perspective than what you see it from right now we shall see that there was never was any problem and more than once the impression that we get can be described as seeing somewhat of like a chuckling in the darkness to say, why did I worry about that so much? It was nothing in the sight of who our God is. The sense that some shattering and disarming simplicities is actually the real answers we're looking for. The complicated things don't need to be complicated. Sometimes they're in the most simplest of truths. One of the most complicated things is that we live a life It can feel so empty and so shallow when we try and fill it with all this sort of stuff. But the simplest truth is to have the fulfillment and the satisfaction that your life craves, that you were designed to have, isn't by you achieving what everybody else in the world tells you you should achieve, but it's by the simplest of truths. To believe that there is a God and God is God and He is good and He loves you and He loves you so much that He gave His one and only Son that you would have life through Him and you would have life in Him. The answer to the aching of your heart, the answer to the area of pain in your life, the answer to the unfulfillment that you feel, the answer to the area of lack of peace and satisfaction isn't by attaining more. The answer is in knowing Jesus. But that sounds too simple. Too good to be true. That's exactly what grace is. It's a gift that we don't deserve. It's too good to be true. But once you experience it, you know it to be the most true thing that you've ever experienced. Could I encourage those in this room that have, In a place where you're like, well, I need answers to everything before I'll believe. Could I encourage you, before you're going to get all your head revelations answered, and God can answer them. Maybe if you had a hard encounter, it would bring a lot more clarity to the questions you have in your head. Rather than getting your head sorted and then having a hard encounter, no, get a hard encounter and then who knows, God will start to help you unpackage that which you need clarity in your head. Don't stop asking questions, but be on a journey with God in your questions rather than at arm's length because that's not the way He designed you to journey. He designed you to journey hand in hand and He'll lead you to understanding where you need understanding because if it's important, take a breath. Because if it's important to you, it's important to Him.
0: We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have any questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifeau.org.